Yeah, why are y'all clapping? That's what I want to know. You know, we're, uh, that was fun. Maybe we will get better. I was telling them as we, uh, as we worked through it, I was like, this is sad that it's this easy to be so terrible at this and make it look that easy. Turn your Bibles to Philippians, Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, it is a new sermon series for the next four Sundays called Bring It In. We are going to be working through the same uh, passages of Scripture at not only the main campus, but also at North and at East. Uh, they are preaching the same uh, message today, and so uh, we're excited about that. We're also excited about uh, Lindsay Lane Together, which is our campus is coming together. Um, actually, it's on your bulletin, and it's on the uh, slides as well, but uh, we'll be going to Toyota Field at the end of this month uh, our fam- for our family night. Uh, Point Mallard has been canceled, obviously, because of the pandemic. Uh, but the field is open, and uh, we're trying for that. We're planning and preparing for that, so mark your calendars. You can see more information about that on the slide and uh, also on your bulletins for today. So we're looking forward to that, and uh, we're also looking forward to Wednesday night. I want to remind you about Wednesday night. Uh, Wednesday night this week, if you missed a prayer service last week, make sure to come next time we have a prayer service because the church has got to pray. Amen? We've got to pray together. Pray together as a unit because uh, I really believe that we can do all that we can do. We can have all these things listed about what we're doing, how we're doing it, but if the church doesn't pray, we're sunk. Uh, that's, that's how we freely admit our dependence upon God. And so uh, let's be reminded to do that. But this Wednesday night, uh, we'll, we'll have our children's ministry and our second parents versus kids face-off. So again, we come in, we use this space, we spread out, feature the kids. Uh, we have a message for them as well, but it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of purpose on Wednesday night. So we hope that you'll be here at 630. Uh, but as we are getting into Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, I want to read to you verse 27. Verse 27 is kind of our key verse for, for all of our uh, a series or all of our messages within this series. And the last half of Philippians 1.27 says, I will know that you are standing together, one in spirit, one in purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. The scripture speaks of the local church as a unit. As we are working together, we're fighting together for the faith. Speaks really of the local church as, as a team. As we are doing what we are doing together for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So for the next four weeks, we want to focus on that team aspect of the local body. I want you to think today, if you're a part of this team, are you a part of this church? Now some of you may be visiting, some of you uh, may be a regular here, some of you may have been a member here for a long, long time. And if that's the case, we still need to come back together and recognize and realize if we are part of this team, there's something that we've got to do. Because every team has a reason. Every team has a reason. That's the first. On the back of your uh, bulletin, I believe you've got a notes page there. That is the, the title for this message, that every team has a reason. And while there are many reasons to have a team, the ultimate reason for a team coming together and forming a team is glory. That's the ultimate reason that a team prepares and practices, sacrifices and tries, is so that there is glory at the end of the day. Yes, it can be fun to be a part of a team. Yes, it can be character building and all of those personal benefits. Those things are good for us personally, but that's not the ultimate cause for a team. The ultimate cause for a team is glory. I I lost a ton in high school. (laughs) We played and we lost a whole bunch. And I remember, my mother tells me this, I don't remember it. My mother tells me that once on the way back from one of the ball games we were playing, I was sitting in the back and I was lamenting about how we lost yet again. And my mother 
said that I was complaining and bickering. And she said, son, in all of this, you are building a lot of character. And I don't remember this, but she said that I perked up and said, I'm tired of building character. I want to win. Because the purpose of all this is, is for glory. When a team is formed and they stand and they fight and they practice and they sweat and they serve and, and they work and they try and they sacrifice, doing so for participation's sake ain't enough. Doing so for personal fulfillment is not the desired outcome. The desired outcome is glory. The desired outcome is to win, at least the effort to pursue winning. And the desired outcome of the church is giving glory to God. That is the desired outcome of why we are here, why we are working together. It is our perspective, it is our aim as the local church for whatever we do to be representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring glory unto God. That's why we're here. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. The scripture says, now all glory to God who is able, and don't miss that part where it says all glory to him, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Notice God's glory in the church goes hand in hand with God getting glory in Jesus. The two are one and the same. They work together. We're going to talk all about that today. Maybe you did come in here today because you need to feel better. Maybe you did come today because you need a word from the Lord. Something's going on in your life. You need to be ministered to. Understandable. I, maybe we all have all kinds of different reasons why we are here. But the reason for the church coming together and working together is for the glory of God, according to the Scripture. Now, Paul is going to preach unity in this message, in this book of the Bible, at the end of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2. That's where we're going. Is messages of unity for the church. But before he does, he's going to say one word 19 times before he ever gets to verse 27 of chapter 1. One word 19 times. Now, when you are reading the Bible on your own, personally this week, when you are reading the Bible and studying the Word of God, a key thing to think about when you are studying is what is repeated. Because what is repeated is done so for emphasis. It's the same reason why we repeat the same message to our kids. Same reason you've already heard me say the glory of God three or four times already. It's because it's repeated for emphasis. And so when you study the Bible, what is repeated is an excellent question to ask. Because 19 times before he gets to the key verse that we read, he mentions the title Christ. He says Christ 19 times. Over and over, the leader that's a part of this local church is laying the foundation before the message. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Amen? Jesus, the Christ, Christ is his title. Christ is the Messiah. Christ means the anointed one. In John chapter 1, verse 41, Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, and he told him, We have found the Messiah. Which means Christ. That's what the Bible says. We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Notice, found the Messiah. Because if you found the Messiah, that means you were looking for him. We found him. So what does that mean? Ever since sin came into the picture in Genesis. Ever since Genesis, when sin came into the picture, the world was needing and waiting for help. And the scriptures tell us all the way back then, when sin entered the world, God was going to send the world a deliverer. 
through the descendant of Eve, through the offspring of Eve, the scripture says that that offspring would strike the head of the enemy, Satan, crushing his head. That, that's, that's God telling the world that through Eve, I will send you help. I will send the deliverer. And then God chose a people for himself through the line of Abraham. God said that he would bless the world and take care of his people by sending a king who would sit on a never-ending throne. So when sin came into the world and when God chose a people for himself, the people knew that they could look to God for a deliverer that would come and would ease their pain, would solve their sin problem. This is called the messianic promise, the messianic hope. And so since the beginning, a world needing hope and looking unto God They were awaiting a Messiah. They were looking for the Messiah, the chosen one of God to make things right now and forever. This is Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. So for us, we're not looking for the Messiah because he's already come. We don't know this perspective. We're not waiting on Jesus to come. We're waiting on him to come back, church. Amen. So we're not looking for him to arrive. And so if you step into what they were thinking here, they are looking for God to deliver the Messiah to the world. And here in the scripture, it says, Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we found him. But see, we can get there if we think about when we got saved. Or maybe today you're thinking about that yourself. I am looking for answers. I am waiting for healing. I'm waiting for hope. I am looking for 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 solutions to problems and answers to questions and God has given us that through Jesus and at that moment I remember when I got saved I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ but before I heard the gospel I was at this place where I'm a sinner and God is holy I know who I'm who I am and who I'm not and who God is and there's separation between me and separation between me and God because of my sin and in that moment I can get to where they were which is waiting only answer. But we've already got that answer. And so what I'm, what I'm telling you to line this up today is we are talking about unity. Paul is laying the foundation for unity. The one you've been waiting for. The answer to all of your problems. The solution to all of, uh, all of your needs is Jesus the Christ. And because if not for Jesus, we would all be separated from God, condemned to an eternal hell, y'all. If not for Jesus, that's why we've been talking about him all morning long. That's why we've been lifting his name, praying in his name, singing in his name. Because if not for Jesus, we would still be separated from God, waiting for God to do something for us. But because he is the Christ, the one that we've been waiting for, the anointed of God, Jesus is the anointed voice of God. If you're waiting for truth to be spoken into your life, look at those words in red in that Bible. Because this is the voice of God and it's the anointed voice of God. Jesus is the assigned high priest that connects us to God from sinful self to God. Jesus stands in the gap and connects us. That's why again we sing and we praise his name. Jesus is our king forever. It's not about a kingdom that will last a few years and go away into the history books. This is God's kingdom. And the kingdom that will stand forever. And so as we read our key verse... That we, the team, are standing and fighting together for the faith. The object of our faith is Jesus Christ. Now you may be thinking I'm repeating this over and over for what reason, but listen, Adrian Rogers said that your faith is no greater than the object of your faith. 
Well, the object of our faith died for our sin and got off from the grave. How about that? So this is why Paul said that we are standing together and fighting together for the purpose of the faith and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he is God. This is why Paul, before he talks about unity, lays a foundation over and over and over again. Y'all, the church, have been waiting on the one from God to come. He's come. He's here. He lived to show you how to live. He died for you a sacrificial death, and he rose again to give you hope of eternal life. Now, y'all stick together on that. That's what he's saying. Now, y'all stick together on that because we're leading in to unity. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says that the sun radiates God's own glory. The sun radiates God's own glory. Meaning he, Jesus, is the expression of God's light in the world. This is why if you think the world's really dark right now, it's important that we continue to preach and teach and represent the name of Jesus. Because Jesus is the expression of God's light in the world. Now notice the following Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Turn your Bibles, you're in Philippians Turn to chapter 2, look at verses 9 through 11. And notice where Paul is headed. Because again, the reason for the church working together, fighting together, is the glory of God. And the scripture says, Therefore God elevated him, Jesus, to the highest place of honor, and gave him, Jesus, the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So for all of us already that have declared that with our tongue, that Jesus Christ is Lord, we declare that to the glory of the Father. The reason that we work together and fight together and struggle together and work through problems together is for the glory of God. Jesus is the route to the glory. Jesus' church is the route to us proclaiming the glory of God. Every team's got a reason. Our team is glory, our reason is glory, but again, if our, our route is Jesus, now pay attention to this, if our route is anything other than Jesus Christ, we can be Christians living in a Christian culture, not bringing glory unto God. That'll scare you to death. We can be Christians on this world not living for the purpose together of proclaiming God's glory. If anything else other than Jesus is what we are championing now, then we are in a Christian culture not serving the purpose of glory. Some of you may be thinking, how is that even possible? Can a Christian actually be a Christian and not work for the glory of God? Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to show you something. I want you to see this, this picture on the screen. This picture on the screen is, it was a headline. It was an article last week. Picture of an NBA player. Some of you may have read this article. Some of you may be just seeing it just now, but his name is Jonathan Isaac. And the, the article that's attached to this picture on one website says, Jonathan Isaac first in the NBA bubble to stand for the anthem. Now it's possible that you see this article, you see this picture, and your mind goes to one of two places. The first place is, why is he not kneeling? He would do better for the justice or the social justice effort to take a knee and to be unified with all of the other people in that organization to represent his identity and to take a knee for that cause. 
Some of you, and I would suggest probably the majority of you, are not thinking that way. I would suggest that you're probably, at your first instance, looking at a picture like that and going, now that's a guy I can get behind. That's a guy right there that I can stand behind. That's a guy right there that represents the flag, represents this great country. I want to know more about him. But here's the deal. If you don't read the article, you're going to miss the purpose. If you don't go further than that first initial step and look, you're going to miss why he did this anyway. Can I read this to you? Jonathan Isaac said in his interviews, I don't think that kneeling or putting on a t-shirt for me personally is the answer. He said, I feel like for me, black lives are supported through the gospel. All lives are supported through the gospel. That we have things that we do wrong and sometimes it gets into a place of pointing fingers about which wrong is worse. I feel like the Bible tells us we all fall short of God's glory. And at the end of the day, whoever will humble himself and seek God and repent of their sins, that we could see it in a different light. See our mistakes and people's mistakes in a different light. See people's evil in a different light. He went on to say, I believe my life is supported by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's good. It's absolutely good. But here's the deal. We can get so wrapped up in our causes and our politics, we'll miss the sending and receiving of the message of Jesus. If our cause is any other cause than Jesus, if the name that we lift is any other name than Jesus, we're going to be a church and a Christian in the culture not even working for the glory of God. If that scares you today, that's why I'm saying it. Because we, the church, must be here for the reason. That, that we are working in a world that is... Listen, to the people you disagree with, the people that you see out there and you disagree with, whatever aisle that, side of the aisle that you're on, are, are you looking at them as, as people that you disagree with and you want to be right, or do you want them to be saved? You want them to die and go to heaven or die and go to hell? What's your heart? Because I know God would like for them to be with Him. Because it's not His desire that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And so we can get mad and we can argue and we can do all these things, but I wonder if we're praying for people. I wonder if we are slow to speak as we are seeing what everything is all about and weighing things with honest scales, or we just jump to our mouth because we know what our cause and our politics are. We get there real quick. We get bold for it real quick. Patience, church. Paul is going to give us a look into his life and how he stays on the route towards the reason. The reason is God's glory. The route is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I'm the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There ain't no way else aside from me that you get in. And so what Paul's going to do is he is leading us, the church, towards unity. Because again, this is, this is not God's word to us because it's to Philippians. But this is God's word for us because he's always God. And so God is speaking here in his scripture to the church today using the Apostle Paul, Paul is leading the church to unity, and he's going to do that by telling them how he lives in Jesus. Telling them how he lives in Christ. In Philippians chapter 1, we're going to read verses 20 through 26. For the Scripture says, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ. There it is again. As I've been in the past, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. 
Man, can y'all get there? (laughs) Think about what he just said. For me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Lord, as we take this the rest of the way, I pray, Spirit of God, that you make all this plain. Guide us into truth. I pray that your word would be remembered, that you challenge us where we need challenging, that you comfort us where we need comforting. Teach us where we need teaching. Lord, we are here today to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul said, first part of how we actually stay on the route and the road of Jesus Christ. Paul said this in verse 20. I will continue to be bold for Christ. I will continue to be bold for Christ. That was a bold stance for Jesus that that man took. The Apostle Paul expected that he would always have a fearless and outspoken witness for Christ. Paul said... Guys, it's my expectation to keep doing what I'm doing. Y'all know where he was writing from? Prison. Still expect I'm going to do what I'm doing here. And, and, and the scripture says, I will continue to be bold for Christ. And that word bold, if you look it up, it actually means outspokenness as opposed to fear. Outspokenness. So yes, church, this actually has to do with verbally expressing faith in Jesus Christ. There are times to let your witness walk, but there's also times for you to speak up. For you to testify. For you to give glory where glory belongs. For you to use the name of Jesus. Pray the name of Jesus. Tell people about Jesus. There's times not to speak in generalities. There's times to speak specific about the name of Jesus Christ. Because the scripture says, there's no other name under heaven. No other name under heaven by which we must be saved. It's Jesus. So this does have to do with how we communicate. It has to do with our lips and our mouth. And I know sometimes we're thinking like, I don't like to hear about that part, and I get it. And some of you don't hardly talk at all. Did you know the ones that don't hardly talk at all are the ones a lot of us give most attention to when you do? People like me talk all the time. But but hearing from somebody that doesn't talk a lot, when they do talk, we all look at them and say, well, they're going to talk now. This has to do with our verbal expression. It has to do about not just our verbal expression of Jesus, but our bold witness of faith. I read a, think about bold statements. I read a senior quote that I just think is hilarious. I read a senior quote that says, I don't wish I was Beyonce. Beyonce wishes she was me. That's a bold statement. It's funny. And it's based on humor. And, but there's no actual grounding of truth in that statement for whoever said that. It was funny. But Paul's attitude and bold preaching and testimony was grounded in the truth. The truth of what? God saved him. man. He, Paul was dragging Christians out of their homes, beating them, men, women, children. He was public enemy number one. And God flipped him upside down for his glory, changed his life. Paul was working to get to heaven. And God changed it to where you need to understand I'm working for you to get you to heaven. I'm doing the work. Paul's life, his philosophy, totally changed. God had an encounter with him. The Spirit of God was within him. So we had this bold expectation because Paul's hope was not in a dead leader. Paul's hope was in a risen Savior. And so because of that, he was telling the church, guys, let's all be unified together because we're going to heaven and I fully expect as now I'm writing to you from prison, I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing. 
Because if I die, I'm going to heaven. And if I don't, I'm going to be here to help y'all. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be unashamed. And I'm going to tell you, I really believe, as time continues to progress, and we're talking about religious liberties issues and things like that, there may be a time for us to stand and open our mouth and, and let the world know that we will not be shaken because we believe in a risen Savior. But there's also times in your own family where you need to mention the name of Jesus in your household. You need to know what you believe about Jesus so that you can share the love of Christ to your family and your neighbors and your friends. It's verbal expression. And, and, and yes, this boldness, again, is relative to our communication. You may have heard the following. Preach the gospel and, when necessary, use words. I would dare say that many of us who have gone to church for the extended period of time, a long time, have probably heard that quote at some point. I can remember preachers preaching this quote at different times before in my own life. This quote is attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Y'all don't know either, so it don't matter, right? (laughs) So, that quote is attributed to him. Here's the problem. There's no record of him ever saying that. Not one record of it. Scholars, theologians that have studied it have not attributed it to him because they can't find it where he wrote it down. And so while this is a good sentiment that our witness needs to match our words and when there's not time to talk and people are looking in, they are seeing what we are all about. Preach the gospel when necessary, use words. But did y'all know there's a time to use words? There's a time when we have to be vocal about who we believe Jesus to be. You know, Paul said in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, but how can they call on him? To save them unless they believe in him. And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Unless someone tells them. I remember being on the mission trip. Uh, Brother Dusty and Patsy went with us to Ecuador. Took the students down there. All of a sudden, we're on a, we're on a bus. We're at a street corner. And, and our leader there says, All right, guys, we're going to do something a little bit different here. We're going to get out and preach on the streets. He looked at me and said, You want to preach? And I was like, Man, yeah. <laughs> I said, let's do it. Let's go for it. And so we got out. Seriously, there's a festival going on. People passing by left and right. Had a student from the student ministry who was smart as a whip, could speak Spanish, stood out there and was translating for me. You see, at that point, you can't tell them how, just let your witness shine. Because there's people passing by left and right. It's time to open that mouth and proclaim the name of Jesus. So again, not every situation and scenario is you at a street corner. But it could be you at the office, you at the classroom. I'm telling you, the name of Jesus changes things. There's power in that name. That is why, that's why God would have us to mention the name because there's not power in any other name like it is with that one. Preaching, teaching, talking, it may not be your gift. But there may be a time in your life when your testimony and confession of faith is needed. You know, they, they say that the, the, one of the largest barriers to not sharing Christ is fear of not knowing enough. It's not that you can't talk. It's that you don't think you know enough to talk when it comes time. Can I give you a very simple solution to not knowing enough? Know enough. Open up your Bible and read it. When there's a class where we're laying a foundation for your faith, attend it. Ask questions. Learn it. Learn who Jesus is, why you believe in Jesus, what the Word of God says, that the Old Testament to the New Testament is pointing to Jesus. Learn it. 
know enough. So boldness with our mouth is what Paul says. I fully expect, church, as we are working for the glory of God and I'm following Jesus to be bold for my Savior, unashamed. And boldness has a base. And don't tell me we can't be bold. We get bold all the time about politics. We get bold all the time about sports. It's almost football season. If we get to have one, we all going to get bold real quick. Because we start talking about our team and what we think. We'll get bold about restaurants. That's the best place to eat, I'm telling you. We get bold about the things we're passionate about. That'll just preach right there, won't it? Chapter 1, verse 20. Paul also says, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ. So once again, he says, I fully expect and hope that I'll never be ashamed, but I'll continue to be bold for Christ. And then he goes on to say in verse 20, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ. My life is the, the living part of it. The physical expression part of it. We're moving away now from communication to the actual living it out with our life. This is the living expression. The King James actually said this, says it this way. Christ shall be magnified in my body. Now, magnified here does not mean that we make more of Christ than he already is. Or we pump him up to be something that he's not, not already. Magnified simply means that we are making much of him. And the church, again, as we are thinking about the glory of God to make much of Christ, the scripture says, so that people will see our good works and praise our Heavenly Father. Good works, good actions from our physical self will actually turn people's attention to the glory of God through Jesus Christ. I, I once watched my father-in-law. Never forget this. God, I, I think, has given me some visual images sometimes of things that happen and experiences for me to hold on to for illustrations. I remember my father-in-law, father-in-law, someone was in the room visibly, emotionally torn apart, breaking down crying. And that person ran towards him, and he just opened his arms and grabbed him. He preached the gospel for most of his life, counseled and taught, could have led that person through any counsel that they needed but right then and there he opened his arms he hugged them and he just held on and he didn't say one word for about one minute and when i think about that i think that's one of the godliest things i've ever seen because now what that wasn't the time for teaching wasn't the time for counsel wasn't the time for him to make up something and hope that it worked wasn't the time to preach that was the time for him to be the hands and feet of Jesus, for him to be the comforter. Never forget it. So how does this work for us? How are we, as the scripture says, Paul said, I trust my life will bring honor. My physical self will bring honor unto God. It will honor Jesus, therefore giving glory unto Christ. Our physical life, think about this, doesn't belong to us either. For the scripture says... It belongs to the Lord, and it was bought with a price, so honor God with your bodies. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 6.20. Our sales are not our own. We've been bought with a price, so honor God with your bodies. This looks like wrapping your arms around someone to comfort them. This looks like restraint in your lips. It looks like encouragement from your lips. This looks like praying on your knees. It looks like visiting with your feet. It looks like serving with your hands. It looks like looking away with your eyes. It looks like bearing somebody's burdens on your shoulders. This is the physical life honoring God. 
It, it looks like enduring in our suffering, and I don't want to talk about it either, or think about it either, but this is a physical life when honoring Christ will bring glory unto God, mission accomplished. This is the responsibility we have if we are on the team. This is a responsibility we have if we are in Christ and part of the church. Is that our life, our very life will honor Christ. And finally, number three. Verses 21 through 24. Paul said, I'll boldly exclaim. I'll honor Christ in my life. And finally, 21. For to me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better, he says. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Lord, we've prayed. I'm going to pray again. I just pray you take this home. Lord, help us to think about all that you're saying. Ponder it, Lord. Spirit of God, make it plain. In Jesus' name, amen. If I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. Fruitful work is not the action of faith that we were talking about just a second ago. Fruitful work is is not the physical honoring within your limbs. Fruitful work means service. That's what it means. It means ongoing service. Paul was referring to his ministry. Paul was saying about his ministry, as we are staying on the route of Jesus Christ to bring glory to God, the way that we do this together, church, is we serve the community and serve the body. Look at what he says in verse 25. Helping all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. I want to ask you a very simple, very serious question. Personal question. How are you helping someone else grow and experience the joy of their faith? How are you doing it? This is the example of the Apostle Paul to the Christ leading towards unity. How are you helping the church grow and experience the joy of their faith? What was he doing? He was making disciples. That's what he's doing. He's saying, now y'all buckle up, because y'all are going to be under conviction here. He's saying, if I live, he's saying, if I live, if I live. Paul's saying, if I make it to another day, I'll help y'all. He's saying this as he's writing from prison, knowing that at any moment, some guard may come and knock on the cell and be like, buddy, it's your time. <laughs> Last meal, brother, it's over. Knowing that's coming. Paul is saying, if I live for tomorrow, I'll live and work for you. If I live, I'll have more fruitful work for Christ. He's facing execution. So this is what I'm telling you today. This is the part where it gets a little bit convicting for all of us. If you would say today, whatever excuse you want to say for not serving in the church and in the community. If you're not being executed... Too much on my schedule. You better clear that schedule. We've got too much going on, man. We're so busy. Well, I guess you need to rearrange it. Why would you speak so boldly? That's the example of I see of the Apostle Paul. He was about to be executed, led to the death. And what was he thinking about? Guys, if I live, I'll see y'all tomorrow. Write y'all another letter. Help you out. Fruitful work for the body of Christ. I want you to think about and ask yourself, how am I personally serving in the church, and in the community for the glory of God through the route of Jesus. Well, I tell you what, man, I mean, the way I do it is I get up and I go to work and I provide for my family. Well, lost people do that. What else you got? 
Lots of folks do that. See, we make something up because we know, we're afraid to admit that we don't have it. And, and honestly, listen, I know this church is sizable. Y'all, we're not, the, we're not a big enough church to where folks are like, man, they got that. No, we don't. No. The staff, yeah, the staff, we're going to make sure the staff works hard. You've hired us kingdom of God dollars, as Pastor Tim Anderson says. You've hired us to do a job, and we're going to do it well, and we're going to give you opportunities. As I read the scripture, it's my responsibility to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's what the Bible says. So you can think about all the reasons why and all the reasons we can't and all these things. That's fine. But again, as I see it, Paul takes a lot of those away because he's like, guys, if I don't die in the morning, I'll help y'all get. Now I'm going to talk about one ministry here for just a moment. And actually, it's inclusive of a lot of them. We baptized a child two weeks ago, last week, and this week. Children coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that the largest body of lost folks in this church is that building right over there? It's the children's building. And the reason I say lost or I put it in those terms is because they have not yet come to know Christ. In order for us to have your groups meeting back here like we planned, because we are planning and preparing, and I would also say this, we're planning and preparing to return Trusting the Lord to give us that, if, if hopefully like it maybe looked like it used to, or maybe hopefully looking like it needs to in the future in some ways. I would also share with you, if, if, if we somehow in this church, something happens and we have to dial it back and we have to go back to online, do you know what we're going to do in the future? We're going to come back. We're going to come back. So now's not the time to bow out. That's what I'm telling you. Now's not the time. To, now's not the time to say I'm, I'm going I'm to do something else for a while. No, now's the time we need you. You know why? Because in order for your groups to come back full strength, adults, we have to have childcare for those groups. And in order for us to have childcare, we got to have volunteers. That's the way it works. I mean, this is this is it. We're the church. We work together. We fight together for the faith. We see children coming to know Him. I'm okay with totally telling you that if you have a child in the ministry, if you have a student in the ministry, you need to be an active part of that ministry. I'm okay with saying that. I don't understand why it's not okay that we receive it. Y'all are not responsible for my kids. I'm responsible for my kids. My wife's responsible for my kids. Your responsibility is to supplement what we do. It's my responsibility to supplement what you do. I want to be a part of their ministries. Yeah, if you preach every Sunday, watch it. Watch it and see if our staff is not over there serving. We talk about how we want to invest in the future and all these things. Let's see it, man. Let's stop talking about it and be about it. This is our future. This is the future of the worldview. This is the future votes. This is the future church. The future leaders, missionaries, teachers. And somehow we get to a point where that ain't our job anymore. This is just one example of service. Just one. Now is not the time. Now is not the time to think about resting. <laughs> I, I, listen, I appreciate the encouragement. I do. I really appreciate the encouragement. 
And, and lots of folks have been like, man, you better take time with your family. You better, you better rest. You better keep it all in perspective. Don't get out of hand. And my wife helps me with that. And that's, thank God for that. But some of us don't need to be told that we need any more rest. We don't need that. Some of us have to be told the other way. We need more work. Y'all, the scripture says, Jesus said, the Father and I are always working. When have you called upon God when he said, I'm too busy right now? When have you called upon God when God said, I've graduated from that, we're doing something else? When have you called upon the name of the Lord? When have you opened the scripture and these pages went blank? When does that happen? God, God is available. God is always working. It's not the time to sit on the sideline. I'm going to close with this. I know I've said a lot of things. I pray that you and myself too, we would receive all of this. And think about it. Consider what the Word of God says. For Paul is leading the church. God is leading the church to be unified. And in order for us all to bring a whole lot of glory to God, then we all have to be on that same road together. Where we boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where we honor God with our very life. And where we work for Him. Because we're not working for the glory of us. We're working for the God who's going to let us share in His glory. Lord Jesus, I pray, O oh God, that of all that's going on, all that occupies time in our mind, Lord, all that is happening right now in our life, oh Lord, I pray, O oh God, that we would be still and know you. Lord, I'm reminded, I'm reminded today, oh God, of missionaries who are going back who are trying to get through all this so that they can go back to their ministries. I'm reminded of our former senior pastor who today is preaching yet again in retirement. God, you are worth our time. You're worth our talk. Lord, you're worth our lives. We, we belong to you. You bought us with a price. Oh God, that there would be a flame that burns bright here at Lindsay Lane. Lord, I pray that our church will be a church that continues to work hard for your glory. I pray today, oh God, if there be one or many here today, Lord, that's tired of playing games, it's time to be saved. I pray, oh God, today that they would either walk this aisle or right where they are, if they would just call on you in faith to save them, knowing that you are the way that's been made for them to be forgiven of sin. Lord, if people need to join the church today, if they need to get plugged in, Lord, if they need to be baptized, I pray that today would be the day. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand to our feet. Respond together. This altar is open for you. Our ministers here are here to talk to you. Let's respond now.